Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Tim Bean, the CEO of Fordham Technologies. So, Tim, how are you doing today? Hey, great. Nice to meet you, Richard. Yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me about uh, Fordham. What's the premise of the company? Yeah, the mission of the company is, is pretty simple. One is we want to provide total airspace awareness and security for an ever-increasing, more crowded airspace. So in the age of drones, you know, how do you keep the airspace safe and secure? Uh, that's why Fordham was funded. We've raised uh, now over $20 million. Uh, Boeing being uh, one of our major investors, Boeing's very much into autonomy and, and in the age of drones and this autonomous airspace with air taxis and all kinds of new services, life-saving services. Um, I think they, they looked at Fordham and looked at what we do and what we provide as a way of making sure that this economy can take off well, at the same time, keeping no-fly zones and other sensitive areas are secure from drones that are flying maybe where they shouldn't be. Well, I was going to ask you, right, what are the security risks associated with drones? So one is going into areas where they shouldn't be. Do you have any examples of, of airspaces that are would be a danger either to the drone or to people? Yeah. Um, the obvious answer that comes first to mind for people is airports, obviously with airplanes coming in and out across the United States. You don't want to run into drones. And uh, the U.S. airspace is the safest in the world. It's also the most crowded airspace in the world. And the way it is safe is through the regulations and you know, ownership of the, of the federal government, the FAA, uh, that's created a very what we call a cooperative airspace, where all the aircraft in the sky cooperate and you know, tell each other where they are. And um, general aviation aircraft and helicopters that often fly at a lower altitude um, they fly often with a human pilot with line of sight, do a lot of the detect and avoidance, uh, you know, through human factors. But with drones, drones are often not cooperative. They're not broadcasting a signal telling people where they're at, and they're hard to see. And so at high speeds for general aviation aircraft or high speeds for commercial aircraft, the 747 we get on to go from New York to L.A., it's very hard to see the drones, and uh, a, a collision with a drone, even a small DJI Phantom 3, could be um, a catastrophe and cause um, a lot of problems for folks. So airports is one area. Um, another areas are the border, um, uh, stadiums, outdoor venues, oil and gas refineries, nuclear facilities, any place where um, you want to protect your airspace. Um, you know, many heads of security are looking at all the technology that they put into play to protect the ground, you know, fences and doors and locks. And so how do they lock their airspace? What, what are the doors? What are the, how, how do they, you know, manage intrusions from drones? Um, there's um, just two weeks ago, there's a drone that flew into a refinery in Saudi Arabia and uh, caused an explosion. And then just you know, recently there was the criminal activity with drones trying to assassinate a political leader down in Venezuela. So oh, we wow. see these um, activities increasing, you know, quite a bit. So what are so so what's the technology that you'd use to uh, to block drones from going into certain airspace? Yeah, there's lots of technologies to 
The first is to identify what's in the airspace, and then you need to have an integrated response to, to prevent. So uh, traditionally, people have used RF listening devices to listen for the RF signal between the drone operator and the drone. Um, those work pretty well. There's lots of vendors that do that. However, um, those are really good for what we would call careless or clueless drone operators to identify those. The, the challenge facing security professionals now are the criminal operators, you know, terrorist groups, espionage, that often are flying on a waypoint or autonomously. What this means is those drones are not emitting any RF, and so there's nothing to hear with an RF signal. There's nothing to uh, jam. There's nothing to electronically intercept. The drones hmm. come in undetected and you know perform their you know illegal activity, whether it be espionage, you know, capturing information of a competitive movie studio, or actually a terrorist, you know, dropping a bomb or a gas or something flying on the waypoint. So the technology to stop those types of drones is an active um, sensor. Um, you could use optics or or um, infrared cameras, but those the field of view and the range of those is limited in an airspace. And so the 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 technology most often used around critical sensitive airspaces is radar. Radar sees day and night through clouds and um, is often the technology of choice to provide that total airspace awareness. Well, how can you have a drone that's autonomous if there's no feedback between that and the person that launches it? How do you know it's in position or it's doing its job, right? How does it report back findings? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the answer is fairly straightforward is that um, someone with uh, nefarious um, motivations uh, with their drone, whether it's a fixed wing or a quadcopter, will just set it up to fly on what's called a waypoint. And so that drone then takes off and using its listening, it's not emitting any RF signal, there's no joystick, it just flies um, with you know directions it received in its computer to fly at a certain altitude to a certain waypoint and land. And so it's following GPS to that waypoint and landing and performing its uh, operation. So the human who may have launched it a mile or five miles away is you know long gone after the launch and after the drone you know commits its uh, nefarious act. This is used in in um, agriculture all the time. In agriculture, you know they'll set up waypoints for a drone to you know dust a field or do inspection of a crop. The drone flies autonomously, you know, back and forth in the field, um, you know, capturing its data. There's no human pilot, and there's um, the, usually those are operating under Part 107 rules, where there's a human pilot watching it to, to follow the regulations. But the flight of the aircraft is is all autonomous with no human control. So you're saying this radar seems to be the best to identify drones that could be uh, causing problems. But what about to uh, you know destroy them or force them to land or push them off course or jam them? I mean, what what else can you do? Yeah, well, there's obviously people, you know, look to jamming the signal between the joystick and the drone or doing an electronic attack, and there's solutions out there. Those are all illegal in the United States um, uh, for a variety of regulatory reasons. They're illegal, yes. It's Hmm. illegal to jam uh, those signals. And so, um, you know, you know, jamming the electromagnetic spectrum can have a lot of different consequences. And um, and so regulatory professionals uh, have made that illegal uh, in the United States and in most countries. Um, 
The, the challenge really is, though, if you're looking to stop careless and clueless operators, you can jam them. But a criminal operator, there's nothing to jam. And so to stop a criminal operator uh, from flying their drone in, if there's nothing to jam, then you need to stop it uh, physically. Um, in the industry, we call that a kinetic a kinetic solution to stop it. And so in the military, they'll use you know missiles, guns, lasers, um, electromagnetic pulses, these types of things to stop a drone. But in a commercial environment where you're trying to eliminate uh, collateral damage, you'll use uh, a product like um, a drone interceptor. So there's small drones that can fly around the airspace, patrolling out the five-mile radius, and if there's a rogue drone that enters, these interceptor drones uh, will intercept them, dogfight them, uh, net them, and tow them away to a safe location. Really? <laughs> yeah. Weird. So you know, for your for your listeners, you know, do a Google search on Fordham Drone Hunter, and you'll see one of these drones in action. You know, netting and towing away drones out of no-fly zones, and it does it in a very safe manner, and you know, one at a safe standoff distance from the venue. And uh, one where, hmm. you know, no drones are flying from the sky and landing on people's heads. It basically tows them away like a police officer pulling over a speeder. It, uh, it's a very effective way to uh, police a no-fly zone. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Huh. Um, you said uh, that in a lot of cases, nothing to jam. What about uh, GPS? I mean, if, if you have a waypoint, the drone would have to continuously ping GPS in order to arrive there, right? Yeah, the drone will be listening to GPS to understand, you know, where it should be going, right? Um, there's a technology called SASM, S-A-A-S-M, that can be used to um, protect um, a GPS receiver from being jammed. And those are, you know, quite quite common. Um, GPS spoofing is illegal in the United States as it causes lots of problems with all kinds of devices in our modern world. Um the, the military, you know, does some GPS spoofing. That would definitely, if you identified a drone coming in on a waypoint and you had the technology and the regulatory authority to, you know, jam the GPS or to spoof it, um, you know, that would work. Um, some terrorists and criminal organizations are known to fly their drones on inertial guidance where they're not even using INS. It's more of a inertial guidance system using gyros. And in that case... Mm you would still need the, the physical interception. GPS spoofing, in a lot of countries have different GPS standards. It's um, It can get very, very complicated, and um, there's a cat and mouse game there that makes it um, often you know unreliable. The, why, not, we, um, what we're, why aren't manufacturers required to have uh, kill codes based on the model where you know law enforcement or someone could send a signal to a drone based on the model identified and have it shut down or return home or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what's happened is, um, you know, reputable manufacturers of drones are putting, you know, software into their drones that prevent them from being able to be flown near new no-fly zones. And so, you know, the need to have a jammer or an RF detector for someone that's flying careless and clueless, I think that, you know, goes away in the months and years ahead, potentially, because, a lot of the reputable drones um, have software that just don't let them fly you know, near a stadium or near a nuclear power plant or oil and gas refinery or any other airport or no-fly zone. So I think that will happen. And so my concern and my message to the people listening to this podcast 
It's really not yeah. about the careless and clueless operator. It's about the criminal operator that is not going to be flying a drone that has such restrictions. Right, right. I understand. Um, so currently, is there there's nothing illegal about uh, you know snaring a drone and clubbing it over the head and bringing it bringing it back to your place, or do you have to give the drone back to the the owner or <laughs> let the owner know? Like, what's what's the legality? Yeah, it's a big debate in the United States right now. Um, it's, it's legal in many international other countries, but in the United States, there's a FAA statute that talks about it's illegal to shoot down aircraft which I'm grateful for when I fly from New York to L.A. that no one's going to shoot me down, or at least they'll get uh, fine yeah. if they do. And there's another law that says drones are aircraft, and then there's another law that say all aircraft to have these six-inch markers and nameplates. And so there's rules saying, well, maybe a drone is not an aircraft. And so there's confusion about the ability to the legal, legalities to shoot down a drone or not. I think... If you talk to people reasonable at the federal, state, and local level, what they'll tell you is that they don't want private citizens shooting down drones with rifles and those kinds of things. But a law enforcement agency or even a private law enforcement agency, well-trained, can make a judgment call to say, you know, that's not a drone, that's a, that's a weapon. Um, and there's common law that prevails, the right to privacy, the right to self-defense, the right for imminent threat to, to life, imminent threat to property. So if a law enforcement agent um, makes that decision that a drone is coming and you know threatening one of those things, they can use their judgment and um, you know take it down. For example, if a drone was flying at a concert towards my wife's head, I would knock it down mm -hmm. if I had a baseball bat in my head, and and I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. And so that's what we're talking about. And so in America, very quickly, local and state officials that have to police uh, rogue drones are coming to this realization and, and training their uh, police officers on, you know, how to make that judgment call. And I think uh, there's no judge in America that's going to um, blame a law enforcement agent that's acting in good faith to protect critical infrastructure from a drone that's flying where it shouldn't be. Well, why not just make a, a, a subclass of aircraft for drones? Why not, you know, air, as an aircraft, a type two aircraft or something and say, uh, it has these characteristics, and these are the laws that apply to it. Why, why lump it in? It makes no sense. Yeah, well, that that would just be too easy and logical for um, regulators. <laughs> and, and and I joke a little bit, but um, I do have a lot of respect for the FAA and the people that work there. We work closely with them, and uh, they're actually they do have a lot of very good regulations that they're looking to put in place. And it's a process working with the other agencies, DHS, DOJ, Department of Energy. To, to get some alignment and then putting that through the Congress and a lot of their concerns from constituents. And so, you know, our democracy is alive and well, and, you know, it takes some time to get this stuff through, but I'm sure that um, common sense like that is going to prevail soon. Well, okay. So, you know, you talked about the problem of drones flying into um, restricted airspace. Um, any problems that individuals will encounter with drones or do you just deal with commercial problems and, you know, are there any other problems you haven't talked about where commercial enterprises would need help? Well, there's a lot of commercial enterprises that are, are using drones in a very healthy way. And there's um, a lot of regulations that they follow and, and conduct their operations in a very safe way. And um, there's a lot of tools to make sure that they're flying in the proper areas and in the um, not in no-fly zones. I think um, the 
the big regulation that everyone's waiting for from the FAA is the ability to fly beyond visual line of sight. And so that, you know, the drone operator delivering your pizza no longer needs to have a joystick walking on the sidewalk as they deliver the pizza with the drone, that the, the drone can fly independent of a human beyond visual line of sight to deliver that pizza or to deliver that emergency medical device or blood or life-saving equipment or provide um, surveillance or um, you know security and safety over highways to alert officials of any accidents or, or problems. And so the ability to fly beyond visual line of sight is something that the FAA is very supportive of, and they're just certifying aircraft and other um, unmanned aircraft to be able to do that in a very safe way. And so there's waivers that can be granted if operators and UAV manufacturers, drone manufacturers, can prove that their um, operation and system can fly safely. And so Fordham as a company, we we build a, a very small radar system that goes on these aircraft, and uh, we're working with lots of manufacturers to help them achieve um, a safety standard acceptable to the FAA to be able to fly beyond visual line of sight. Mm, so that's a that's a big legislation, like you said, everyone's waiting for. Yeah, and I think the FAA has done a good job of creating regulations for that expanded operation. And now they're working with the Department of Justice and others to, to make sure that um, you know the whole system ties together from not just a safety perspective, but from a security perspective. Hmm. Um, because you're an insider, essentially, in the drone industry, what what can people expect to experience in terms of drones uh, now or in the next few years? You know, same thing with corporations. What's possible? What's uh, not here yet, but soon to come? Yeah, well, one of the investors in Forum Technologies, uh, um, a large investment company called Mubadala Investment Company out of the Middle East, they are um, you know, limited partner of SoftBank that you know, wrote a $12 billion check to Uber. So Uber is famous if you go online at uber.com slash elevate for uh, building something called Air Uber. So today when you hail a, an Uber to go from point A to B, a car shows up and uh, Uber is paying a vision that in the future you could hail a, um, a, a, an air taxi to avoid all the traffic. And so where I live here in Utah, you know, Park City, going to get from my house to the slopes in eight minutes for $14, I would hail an air taxi, not a car to battle the traffic and all the weather, but just fly right over the top of the mountain and right onto the slopes. And so that kind of vision of um, ever-increasing traffic and congestion in our cities to be able to open up the skies with airports and air taxis, you know, Boeing, um, uh, A3 from Airbus. There's a number of companies, well, Larry Page, Google's invested in a number of companies for, you know, um, autonomous air taxis that uh, – Probably and it will be coming out in the next two or three years. I think you can buy one now for six hundred and seventy-one thousand um, dollars. Sure. Uber has said publicly that the first air taxis—they're trying to do some trials here in the next two or three years. They'll show up with a human pilot, and hopefully, in five to ten years, people will get used to it enough that they'll be willing to get in one with no human pilot. So, the you look up into the sky, and uh, you know there's no drones today. Um, there's an ever-increasing yeah. number. Some say in two or three years, seven million. The airspace is getting more and more crowded. Um, the, the visionaries of our age are talking about the urban air mobility market, 
a $3 trillion market, uh, the largest market in some of our lifetimes, maybe next to the internet market. And uh, to make all that happen requires uh, safety and security. And that's why Fordham was founded. That's why we've raised $20 million. That's why we're involved with Boeing and Mubadala. And that's what we're trying to build to to make uh, this airspace safe and secure. Do you think that, uh, I mean, we're going to have a sky crowded with drones in the next X number of years? And I mean, is that doesn't sound very desirable, even though I know it could it could help. Do you think they'll be restricted to certain pathways or, you know, what if they fall on people's heads? Or, I know there's collisions or all kinds of stuff. I mean, how, <laughs> what do you think it's going to look like? Yeah, pe- people, your question, you know, you, you envision people walking down the sidewalk, swatting drones like they're mosquitoes in front of them. Uh, no, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that they are going to be very quiet. I think you're not going to know that they're there. I know that they'll fly, you know, very, very high, so you won't hear them or see them. I think that uh, they'll, you know, fly from the warehouse. To your house, you know, they'll go straight up, they'll go straight to their destination, very high, and then they'll drop straight down, deliver their instrument or package, and go straight back up and back. I think, um, you know, people won't know they're there. They won't be part of something that you see, just like you you don't really see that many airplanes in the sky because they're so high. Drones are small. I, 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 people are going to love the conveniences, the safety, and the capabilities and and the changes it brings to the world, just like they love the internet today. But the internet, you know, there's internet security companies, and that's what Fordham's about, is being that security company to make sure those operations are safe and to make sure that no-fly zones um, are secure. I'm going to say one more thing, that a lot of drone operations are from point A to point B. And so, What's being built is there are some corridors being built um, that are protected by, you know, radar. And so the drones can fly back and forth on that corridor, knowing that they're not going to impact any manned aircraft and that they're going to fly at an altitude such that, you know, it's acceptable to society. And the FAA is putting in very stringent, you know, safety cases. So I don't think anyone in America fears that a 747 is going to fall on them and hit them in the head because of right. their safety. And I, I think the same is true with uh, drones, that um, the technology is there and the, uh, the expertise is there in the United States for these to uh, fly very reliably, um, very safely. Even when weather and storms come up, there's systems in place to ground them, just like manned aircraft. Uh, to keep the airspace very safe. So I think um, society doesn't have, um, should not have that vision of swatting drones like mosquitoes as they walk down the sidewalk. Okay, well, very good. So what are um, some good resources for people to find out more? You said to Google Fordham's Drone Hunter. There's a video there. Um, you know, what yeah, else should you they do? You can go to our website, you go to our website, Fordham, T-E-C-H, Fordham Tech. It's F-O-R-T-E-M-T-E-C-H.com. Um, they can go to you know, uber.com backslash elevate to read about air taxis. Um, the FAA has a nice website, faa.gov slash UTM. UTM means unmanned traffic management. You know, how, how the FAA and NASA do this all coming together are some good places to look. Well, very good. Well, Tim, thank you for coming on the call. I appreciate it. Hey, you bet, Richard. Thanks for the opportunity and, and um, good luck. You've been listening to Almost Here, a 
Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.